Hey guys, it's Ed coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. Um, today I'm going to be having some rum and coke. Uh, it's a classic and uh, hopefully this episode is a classic, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know where I was going with that. Um, it, that is what it is. I tried. Um, so let's talk some Kelly Clarkson. Last night, she was hosting the Billboard Music Awards, um, which is now on NBC, not ABC. I, I, I have to say that because I keep forgetting myself um, that Dick Clark switched um, networks. No one quite knows why, but that's not the point of this. So, um, last week, uh, as most of you know, there was a shooting in Santa Fe, um... The last figures I heard were 13 injured and 10, 10 were killed. And um, so Kelly was hosting the Billboard Music Awards last night and she opened um, by talking about that. And the producers wanted her to, um, you know, say let's pray, let's, you know, whatever, let's take a moment of silence. And she was like, no. And that's the thing about Kelly Clarkson. Like, she is a good down-home girl. But that doesn't always mean what people think it means. It doesn't mean she's submissive or won't do what she believes is right. It means she is guided by her conscience. And so, instead of saying, you know, let's, let's take a moment of silence, let's pray. She said, let's take this time and turn it into action. Let's do something. Let's affect some change. And the crowd went wild for her because Kelly Clarkson. However, with all the write-ups came a lot of nasty negative comments saying that she needs to shut up and sing, uh, which is very reminiscent of what Natalie Maines was, a letter that Natalie Maines was sent um, which was part of the inspiration for the Dixie, the classic Dixie Chick song, Not Ready to Make Nice. Um, now, I don't think that this is going to affect Kelly's career the same way that... Um, um, the Dixie Chicks and George W. Bush did. Um, or how Natalie Maine's comments really, like, kind of sunk the Dixie Chicks for a little while. They're back touring and um, people love them again, but it took them a while to make this comeback. Um, but I think what what Kelly said is actually true. Let's, let's stop nitpicking at each other. Let's stop with the thoughts and the prayers. Those are wonderful things. They really are. But they're not doing us any good. If thoughts and prayers were working and they were stopping these shootings... Every week, um, I read on one of these articles that I read, which, as you guys know, I read I, ju- I read a lot of stuff every single day just to keep informed and up-to-date. Um, um, but one of the articles said that we have had an average of one shooting every single week. I, I just need that to sink in right now. One shooting a week. And we're not talking, like, you know, there, there's a funny story I like to tell. When I first moved to New York in 2013, um, 
I still have the news apps from Detroit, where I'm originally from. So I woke up and I looked at my phone, and there was a news alert um, from, w- I believe it was WXYZ, it might have been um, one of the other news stations. But basically it said, no murder in three hours. And I kind of feel like that's where we're getting to as a country with mass shootings. No mass shooting in three hours, let's celebrate, and that's not okay. And that's what I really think Kelly was saying. Like, I don't, no one is saying take your guns away. Or if they are, they're not speaking for all of us. What we're all saying, what every single person I've spoken to about this issue, we all agree that there's some issue that needs to be worked on. And I really want to call on all of us, but especially the lawmakers, to come together. Put the bipartisan bullshit to the side and come up with a reasonable solution so parents can send their kids to school without worrying that they're not going to see them in the evening. You can go to church and pray to your deity and not worry about being murdered. And this became a really emotional topic, so I'm going to be right back. So, it looks like it's going to be an episode of Hot Button Issues. Um, I know that not everyone likes that, and I'm very sorry. But, when you're dealing with gossip in in the entertainment world, that kind of happens sometimes. Especially in um, the Me Too um, Time's Up era that we're in. Um, And, unfortunately, that's what we're going to be talking about right now. Um... Mario Batali, we talked about before. Um, I don't like him. I, I never watched his show, The Two, because it replaced my beloved, all my children. And I know people are rolling their eyes and, oh, you know, he had nothing to do with it. Bullpucky. I didn't like him then, and I don't like him now. Um, so if you're looking for fair and balanced reporting, you're not going to get it here. Plus, I mean, this is a gossip podcast. Would you really be expecting that? Um, so Mario Batali has been... He was already accused of um, sexual assault and sexual harassment by four other women, for which he apologized. Um, I don't... In his apology, you know, he said that he made mistakes, he was aggressive... Um, and things of that sort. So, when a new woman came forward and accused him of raping her, it's kind of one of those things where once you've ki- once you've already admitted to this behavior, I don't see how you can backpedal. He did. Um, but le- le- let me set this all up for you. So, a waitress at one of his high-end restaurants here in New York City claims that 13 years ago... Um, she was drugged and raped in one of, um, in a room that employees had dubbed the rape room. Now, I I just have to stop here and insert a little opinion because I don't know what the hell is wrong with people. Like, seriously. 
how do you work for a business that has an alleged rape room? Like, I get it. We all have to make a living. You know, we all do things that we don't want to do. But if any of my companies had a rape room, I would be heading for the door, if not the police. And, and I can say that with, with a lot of certainty. Um, so, I, I don't know. Like, maybe... Everyone just thought it was a joke. Anyways, back to the story. Um, She she claims that um, she was sitting on his lap kissing him. Which kind of makes me wonder, you know, if you were kissing him, were you drunk and you just regret sleeping with him? Or what? Um... So she was sitting on his lap kissing him and then threw up, which I totally get. And then she doesn't, she says she passed out and she doesn't remember anything else. And she woke up and there, um, she told Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes that there was DNA on her skirt, which apparently DNA is code for semen. And Anderson Cooper cracked that code right away. And, and she acknowledged. And, um, she says that she did go to... She called a crisis hotline. She went to the hospital. They tried to get her to make a report. But she was an un, um, she was an actress. And she had no money. And she didn't want to lose her job. Which is... That's something that we hear a lot about... Um, so my heart totally goes out to her. I totally like get that part. You know, you don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. Um, why is she coming forward now? I don't know. Um, and she remained unidentified. Um, but this is so serious, and there's enough evidence that the NYPD has opened up a criminal investigation against Mario Batali. Um, for his part, Mario Batali. Ha- um, denies any of the this woman's allegations and is looking forward to defending himself. Um, but again, I go back to, you've already admitted to doing things like this. I have a hard time believing that you didn't do this. You know, and I'm going to get some flack for making snide comments about her sitting on his lap and, and making out with him and then throwing up. I'll just say, you know what, maybe it was in bad taste, but I I also wonder why she was sitting on his lap making out. Well, like, was she already drugged? Was she drunk? You know, who knows what happened? You know, maybe, maybe things were going one way and then she realized she didn't want to do it. I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, For my part, I do believe her and I do hope that she is well. I'll be right back. Okay. And as promised, we're going to continue with some hot button issues. Um, This one is kind of lighter, though. It's a little bit funny. Um, For those of you who are not Hillary Clinton fans, you might want to just go ahead and skip this segment. I'm not going to be mad at you. I get it. I love Hillary. I think um, she was probably the most qualified candidate we'd ever had in the history of this country. Um, 
But I also get that, for whatever reason, she's a love or hate person. Um, but she was asked to speak at class day at Yale University. And since this is the new Hillary and she has a personality finally, um, we got to see her kind of like make fun of and troll Trump. Um, so, as I said, Yale asked her to speak to the graduates, or the graduating class, for class day. Um, and she made this comment about, um, you know, she takes the stage and she says, I see you, I see that you're taking part in this grand tradition of, like, crazy hats. Speaking of which, what is it with crazy hats? Um, the queen and was wearing, well, the queen's hat was gorgeous at the royal wedding, but... Camilla's hat looked like someone w- went up to the attic of one of the castles and just scraped all the um, insulation and, like, formed a hat for her. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't like Camilla. Um, not, not because I think she broke up Diana and Charles. I think that marriage was doomed from the beginning. I just, there's something about her that doesn't speak to me the right way. Um, anyways, back to our own royalty, Hillary. Um, so she says, I also brought a hat. A Russian hat. And then, after people, you know, after laughter died down, she said, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. And I just want to say, like, first of all, I really hope she doesn't run in 2020. I, I love Hillary. I think she would have been a fabulous president. She would have done a lot of good for us. Um, but I also think it's time for some of these older politicians to step down and let a new generation take over. Let a new generation lead our country. Um, so as fabulous as she is and as wonderful and and smart and everything as she is, I think she can advise. I think, you know... If someone wants her, like, to be part of their advisory team or if someone wants her to be part of their cabinet, I think that's all well, fine and good. But as far as actually... um, As far as actually... being um, president, I, I think that she needs to let someone else run. And I really hope that Bernie lets someone else run, too. Like... Let's get some new voices in there. Um, the only the only veteran politician that I would kind of like to see run again is Joe Biden because I would just love to see what he does with Trump. Uh, oh, speaking of, I'm just going to cram this all into one segment so we don't have to talk about it again later. Roger Stone said that Trump may not actually run in 2020. Um, that it's not a foregone conclusion. I have to say that Roger Stone is full of ish because Trump actually filed the day after his inauguration. Or was it before? It might have been the day before. Anyways, right around the time he was sworn in, he filed paperwork to run for 2020. So I don't know why Roger Stone is saying that. But, you know, he is. And I don't know. (laughs) That's just a little weird to me. Um, 
but getting back to Hillary, I, I really like that she's starting to show a little bit more personality. Um, she, I think if she had done this more, if she had um, been more accessible to people, she might be the one in the White House right now. Um, I don't know for sure. I'm not, you know, I'm not mired in politics like some people are. Um, but I, I do have to say, like, I, I see a lot more people praising her and liking her now that she's showing her personality. And that is a wonderful thing. I'll be right back. Oh, this one, this topic, it really hits close to home. Um, <sighs> Interview Magazine, um, which was founded in 1969 by Andy Warhol, uh, is is folding. Um, the reason why I said it hits close to home is obviously... With interview closing down, um, that's one less magazine for freelance writers like myself. Um, w- one less magazine, one less publication to pitch to. Um, now, I, I can hear a lot of people saying, well, you know, there's millions of blogs and whatever, and you're absolutely correct. Yes. But the thing is, to get the decent pay, you have to be you you have to be selling articles to these magazines you have to be um, you 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 know you you have to build up a portfolio and with every magazine that closes that's one less magazine one less chance for the newer writers to to break through um in this case, the former editor in chief is suing Interview for um, almost six hundred thousand dollars in unpaid invoices and and whatnot. Um, it, it, and it sounds, it, from what I've read, um, I haven't done a lot of research. This is a breaking story. It's breaking right now. Um, from what I've read, the magazine has been in trouble for for a few years. Um, in 2009, um, let me see what his name is. Uh, Fabian Barron was brought in to save the magazine. It was going under, um, he got subscriptions um, over 200,000 and everything seemed to be going well until they stopped paying his invoices and whatnot. Um, now, there's no official confirmation that interview is shutting down. Um, what we're hearing is um, from staff and, and friends. Um, and the New York Observer did a piece on it. Um, the first place I read it was Tower, Tower Load. Um, but it, this just speaks to what I was saying before when we were discussing Anto, Anna Wintour. Um, salaries and payments keep shrinking, and so does the pool of available um, places to submit. I, you know, luckily I I adapted to the blogs early. Um, I we've talked about it. Um, when Mandy joined me as co-host, we talked about our generation gossip days. Um, so we definitely know how to 
um, I, I definitely know how to write for blogs. I, I know how to get people um, engaged in and whatnot. Which gives me a leg up on, on some other people. But because the advertising um, and the business, the, the business um, model is different for a blog, you don't get paid the same. Um, you know, I talked about this before. When, when I first started writing, when I first started going to writing conferences, um, Rolling Stone, um, I forgot, I think he, he was an editor, I forgot what department, but he was on a panel and he he was like, you know, gone are the days of getting two dollars per word. Now you're gonna get a dollar. Eight years later, you're not going to get a dollar. The only way you're going to get a dollar per word is if your name is Beyonce. And even then, that's not a guaranteed. Uh, a guarantee, excuse me. Um you know, I, I still love what I do. I would, I, you know, I'm still going to keep doing what I do. But the economics are changing. And Amazon has led to a rise in self-published books. I'm wondering if there's going to be articles that people write um, that end up on Amazon um, as, like, sh- just short little pieces that will um, help supplement some of this income. Because at this point, it would be, you know, if 100,000 people were going to read it um, in a magazine, and it's a, let's say it's a 4,000, 5,000, let's say 5,000 for the sake of easy math, um, at a penny per word, you're only going to get 50 bucks. Now, and, and that's really on the cheap side. Um, most places are still paying, um, at least a quarter per word. So you're, you're looking at a decent, um, payout. But, uh, you're looking at $1,250. Not bad. Um, it's definitely not the 5000 or 10000 that you would have got before, but it's not bad at all. Um. But you you put it on Amazon for ninety nine cents and those same hundred thousand people buy it. You're looking at um, the gross would be a hundred thousand. Um, your take home would be seventy percent of that, so you would you would bring in seventy thousand. Which would you prefer to do? I'll be right back. Okay, so for our final our, our final segment, let's talk John Cena. And Nikki Bella. Um, for those of you who don't know, they were, um, John Cena and Nikki Bella were engaged. Um, they got engaged in 2017 at WrestleMania. And, and I just have to say, like, I've always said, when I'm with somebody and he wants to propose, it has to be big. It has to be, like, very public. I want people applauding. I want Celine Dion there singing. I want Britney there cheering me on. Apparently, I want to get engaged in Vegas. Um, <laughs> but WrestleMania just seems the most 
inappropriate place to get engaged. That's almost like getting engaged at your grandma's funeral. I just don't think that works. Um, and they, they ended their relationship in April. And we've never really heard why. Um, there were rumors that he cheated. There were rumors that she cheated. Um, all either one has really said is just that it, it didn't feel right. And it, um, they remained really good friends. And then John Cena said, well, I still love her. I want to be, I would get back with her. And she was like, well, yeah, I love him too. I'd get back with him. But, you know, I just don't think things are going to work out. And so, you know, it was, there were a lot of people who were like, this is all just for Total Divas, their reality show. Which I could totally see. Because as we've learned from uh, the Kardashians, the more publicity you get, the better. And since John Cena is probably one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now, um, him breaking up with his fiance generated a, a ton of headlines. Uh, um, you know, the fact that he's a former wrestler also got people involved. So... Now what, what's come out is that one of the biggest issues between them may have been kids. Um, for a long time, Mickey Bella said she didn't want kids. Um, she agreed with John Cena when he said that he didn't want them. That um, being parents, raising a family just wasn't for them. And then as she was watching her niece grow up in... And whatnot. Um, she started to, her, you know, her internal clock started, or her biological clock started ticking. And she wanted kids. And she sat down with John to talk to him about it. And he said no. And she was like, well, I would never force you to be a father. And he said, well, I'd never force you not to be a mother. And that that's basically what broke their relationship up. Um, she says that it didn't feel right when she got engaged. And of, of course it didn't feel right. You got engaged at WrestleMania. I just can't get over that. Like, I've done some crazy, crazy stuff in my life. I broke up with a boyfriend during a drag show. I've... There are other stories that I can't share right now because this is not the right forum for that. But I, I've done some crazy shit. And I can honestly say, getting engaged at WrestleMania, not on that list. Um, so, but what really struck me is that... This this is the kid issue is one of those issues that you just can't get over. You can't force someone to um be a mother or a father if they don't want to be. And you shouldn't stop somebody from being a mother or father if they do want to be one. That creates a lot of friction and 
I see it happening more and more. Um, you know, people keep telling me I'm going to change my mind. I haven't changed my mind about the kid issue since I was eight years old. I don't see myself changing now. I'm going to raise a glass and cheers to you guys. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon.